0: discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity. It is Friday morning, July 20, which means that both Tony and I have our voices like 10 octaves lower than we normally have them, because I woke up about like 20 minutes before we started recording this, <laughs> and allergy season is destroying Tony's life.
2: Seriously. No, um, I have post-nasal drip. For those of you who don't know, I have really bad hay fever. Um, hello, everyone. And uh my post nasal drip just for the last few days have been just going ha- causing havoc on my vocal cords, so yesterday, would you, I would was you just... say
1: it's going postal on your vocal cords?
2: <laughs> it's going post malone on my <laughs> vocal cords um so the, my vocal cords have dreads and haven't taken a shower in six years um i okay, really quickly, I don't understand the hairstyles right now, the current hip hop trend, like that's going to be the, the perm of, of our generation, like the, the hair bands in the eighties with the man perms, that's like hip hop artists are going to look back on the like mid 2010s and be like, I don't know what I was doing with the purple hair and the, uh, uh, uh. like that's going to be it. And I'm sure they're going to look I, back I like, like, like hair bands do now and be like, Oh no, like it was rocking. We were all up with the face tattoos and everything. But I feel like we're all going to look back and be like, I am so glad I didn't, like, there are no pictures of me in a mullet, um, you know, in the 80s or whatever. Like, that's that's how I feel a lot of people are going to feel. Anyway. That's fair. So my vocal cords just were destroyed. So yesterday I was taking hauls like crazy, and uh, I was hoping it would feel better. My my throat feels a lot better as far as, like, pain-wise. It's not raw and irritated. But I woke up today, and <laughs> I just started singing Barry White songs. So That's was, fair. Just in the hey. shower, like... I'm gonna record with Ryan today. <laughs> like it was just, it was great. It, what
1: what do you call what do you call a rapper who's lonely? Post alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh. guys, it's been a All great right. run of absurdity. That I, was it. This is that was that was peak. we It gets it's only downhill from that moment. This, this is this is it. And Unless
2: we interview like Barack Obama. Yeah. Like, Which I mean, it. some
1: would say it's only downhill from from there, but there are others that might say it's only uphill from there because that may have been rock bottom for the terrible jokes that I say on this show. All
2: all I'm saying is rock bottom and peak look the same upside down.
1: I don't even want to think about that. If that makes
2: no sense to you, good. <laughs> it's the weekend. I have no idea what I'm saying.
1: Hey, so armchair I philosophers. I haven't, I haven't told you this yet. Uh, I was going to tell you this right before we recorded and I forgot, but we, one of our episodes finally passed 2000 downloads. So we've been, we've been over a thousand for a while, but we finally had our first episode pass 2000 downloads. And that was, I think episode 41, 40, episode 40, it was uh, secular versus sacred with Henry Johnson. No surprise that that's the one that got yeah. no, over two thousand. Of course, but I actually think our rec- most recent topics have been pretty. We've yeah, um, like
2: they've been pretty cool. I've enjoyed it, other than last week's. Last week's, I talked for way too much. Like we had, we had like a legit <laughs> ten minute session after the recording. Where Becker and I were like, yeah, and I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I had to, I had to like apologize to him and be like, I just got on a rant. I'm sorry, but yeah. So we're gonna avoid that this time.
1: Maybe, because we're actually talking about things that, like, we're talking about ourselves this time around. So maybe, maybe not. We'll see. We'll
2: see. We also Um, definitely were like, we need to talk about stuff we enjoy. Because we come across, it can come across after a while very negatively, when you only talk about the negative things. So it's like, let's talk about the positive things. Let's talk about things that we love.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so... We we do talk, we we rag hard on a church that we love, and that's because we love it. Um, but it, it is important to remind ourselves and, and to let you know as our listeners that there are things that we actually love about this church, and we each came up uh, with a list. We made sure to share the list with each other so that we wouldn't come up with the same ones. I'm not going to tell you how many on the off chance that we don't actually make it through all of them. I don't want to have to let this be like a... so uh. I don't want to have to make this like a multi-part or anything. Like, yeah, yeah, we just came up with lists, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of go through them one by one and talk about them today, uh, because it's really good to celebrate what's good about our church and and, and what happens. Because as much yeah. as like, let me, I, I guess I can say this as far as Adventism in my mind, as 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 much as being in a an institution or institutionalized can be a, a, a scare as scary as that can be to me there's also a lot of goods that come there's also a lot of good that comes along with it in community impact things like yeah. that like there are certain yeah. things you can do when you're an organized system that you just can't do well if you're not so in my mind like there are some really good things and we're going to talk about <coughs> them today both uh, organizationally and just in general the kind of the essence of adventism and so tony i I would love to just kind of dive right in let's start with Your first one.
2: Let's do it. All right. Um, So my first one was world community. What I love about the Adventist church is, um, and this is in no particular order. Um, It's not like, this is the thing I love the most. It's just something that I love. But I love that we're a world community. We're a world family. Um, You know, something that I've said constantly from the pulpit uh, in conversation in classes is the fact that I have family all over the globe. Uh, I come from a multi-ethnic multicultural family and so I literally have family everywhere. And we have gone to visit most of my family. I still haven't seen my family in Argentina. Um but like uh, you know whenever we go and visit my family wherever they are uh on the globe we usually like the majority of my family is not Adventist. So when we go, it's usually to hang out and to meet them, to see the sights in the place we're going. Um, But we also usually have to go to an Adventist church, like that they don't go to. And what's crazy is every time we do that, I remember the first time this really happened. we, We visited my family up in Canada, which was amazing. I love them so much. But then we went to the GC session, and it was crazy because I was in this giant stadium, like this baseball stadium, filled. I think it was baseball. And point being, it was this huge arena just filled with a bunch of strangers. And I felt more at home with those strangers than I did with my own family. Like, more relaxed because I'm like, oh, this is my family. Like, they get me. They understand me. They were from different corners of the globe. But amazingly, like, and that was what was crazy on that trip. And, and so many other trips. Uh, my dad's a pastor, so we used to travel a ton. We would go. I remember one time we went to England. And we're talking and legit, like almost every person we talked to, we ended up knowing some person in common. It was like, "No way, you know Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we did a mission trip together, and whatever, wow. yeah, we we worked on a Pathfinder project or something, and it's like, what? like it was insane how connected it was. um and it really does feel like that. like I can travel anywhere, and there's a there's a Facebook group called um Hospitable Adventists, or something like that and it literally is like you can get get on there it's adventist from across the globe if you're traveling somewhere you can just go hey is there somebody that i can stay with or do you have a room or something that it's like an adventist you know airbnb except it's more like Relaxed and chill. Wait, and, for real, that exists. Yeah.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, well, really I know cool. what I'm searching up. And you this. can, and 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 they'll tell you like where the church is in that area. Like most people use it just to be like, are there any Adventists in Cologne, France? Or well, Cologne has a ton. Are there any Adventists in you know I'm traveling to um, you know I I don't know whatever pick a country Belgium. You know are there are there any you know is there are there Adventists in Antwerp or something? And they'll be like, yeah, no, we've we've got a couple families here. Like here's their you know. You know, contact information, I'll I'll message you with their stuff or whatever. And you can literally do that. And people will, like, travel across the U.S. or travel across the globe. And it's crazy because, yeah, we're literally in so many of the world's countries. And it's not just that, like, there are churches in those countries, but they're so disconnected from each other that you literally, I can walk into any Adventist church in virtually any part of the globe and immediately feel like I'm at home. Um, mm. Yeah, the worship style might be different. yeah. You know, there we might disagree on some, you know, doctrinal stuff, but I, it is a world community. And we love each other and we support each other. And yeah, we'll disagree and fight on a lot of stuff. But that is the coolest thing. That, that For me, that was the coolest thing.
1: No, I, I actually, I really think it's awesome. I actually got a phone call a couple weeks ago, or, or actually July 3 is when I got the phone call. From a guy in Walla Walla, Washington. Why-a, why-a. Yeah. Why-a, why-a. Walla Waya. Walla Waya. Walla Walla, Washington, who he was looking for a church for his cousin who lives apparently twenty minutes south of me and several years ago had tried to find a church here and the nearest one she could find was an hour away. And wow. so he fa- he did some digging, and obviously in the last two years my church or that church has released a new um has released a new website. So he was able to find us. He gave me, he got my number from the conference office and gave me a call. And that was how he was able to connect me with his cousin, who was thrilled to finally be able to find a church to go to. And so it's kind of crazy to me though, just how connected the church can be and just how easy it is to connect with different churches in our denomination and get aligned directly to the pastor. Um, But, but even more so like, I went to when I went to college. I met so many people that I would have never assumed or, or guessed I would have met. Uh, my my mom was actually engaged before she got together with my dad, and don't worry, they broke off the engagement before she started dating my dad. But hey, you I know. found out I I ended up going to college with the niece of the guy she was engaged to. Uh, how yeah, I remember that? that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I remember you uh, like you or, walked in
2: with like this weird expression on your face. I think it was me or like Steve were like, hey, what, what's, up? are you okay? Yeah, <laughs> hey, buddy.
1: Well, even that, even even yeah. Steve is a great example of it because yeah, Steve and I met crazy at story. Southern, and yet I found out he lived, uh, he he lived a couple miles from my house. He knew my dad grow, like he knew my dad. He went to my old church, yeah. and I had never met him until Southern. Yeah, and for Steve, it's even crazier because he found out. At Southern, he met someone who was his next door neighbor. Yeah, and he didn't know it. Yeah. So there are, uh, which also speaks to American like isolationism and and no soliciting stuff, and like you don't get to know your neighbors anymore. But that's neither here nor there, and that's not a judgment on Steve. I promise. I love you, Steve. If you're listening to this. Well,
2: it was like when they were growing up, though. Like it wasn't like he was like an adult or something. Like he didn't really choose who to hang out with at that age. Yeah, days. yeah, like, yeah. It was, that's yeah. fair.
1: That's fair. From what but I remember, I, I don't, know, it, don't call It's me just that, it, it is crazy totally that Steve's I can fault. go all Steve's over fault. the place. I hate you, Steve. <laughs> it is crazy that I can go all over the place and find someone I know or find someone I'm connected to yeah. with such ease. Like it is absolutely crazy to me. Well, and okay. It,
2: so, do you know about the 6 degrees of separation? You yeah. Know? The concept that you and one in every 6 people you either know or know someone who knows, right?
1: The 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes, I know.
2: <laughs> Similar. Um, what's crazy is in the Adventist world, if you are Adventist, just being a Seventh day Adventist, that drops down to three. Yep. One in every three people in the Adventist church, you either know or know someone who knows if you go. And I remember like, I can't remember where I found this. I need to, because otherwise I'm just pulling it out. But if you went to like an Adventist institution, a college, it's one in two, like every other person you meet, you either know personally or you both know personally somebody. It's yeah. it's insane,
1: yeah. So that I mean, our world community is really cool, and the fact that you can just seamlessly kind of go between churches. I mean, even even the Sabbath School quarterly is really cool because I don't even, I don't always like using it, but the fact and this is why one of my churches actually has been adamant about using it is because if someone is visiting from another Adventist church, they can be certain what they're going to experience or encounter. Yeah. Not experience, but at least encounter and interact with when they get there. Yeah. Which is the Sabbath School Quarterly because it's so consistent across however many churches use it. Uh and, and and because of that community, like it's so well resourced, it's so well like every you can And we don't
2: have a liturgy, so like a set liturgy, um, as far as like uh, uh scheduled themes like the Catholic Church does and, and some of the you yeah know, more mainline churches do. So for us that is kind of one of the great connectors also is to have that because worship styles vary but like we kind of have that little we every place has at least one sabbath school that does the quarterly.
1: Hmm. All right, let's let's right. move on Europe. to my first one. My first one, this is actually pretty much my favorite thing about the Adventist church structurally. <laughs> uh but it's our it's our authority structure. I yeah. love that our, our authority structure is from the bottom up, yeah. and it started that way from the very beginning, because uh, Adventism, traditional Adventism has, has, has taken some issue with, with the history of Catholicism and some of the authority issues and power struggles that happen there and, and power uh, consolidation that can happen. Uh, the and idea abuse. That, abuse. Yeah, and of abuse. Yeah. And, and it's not just, let me, let me be 100% clear here. It's not just Catholicism. I'm just saying that when you look at church history, that's where that that that's yeah. where that's rooted from within Adventism, the but church, in general,
2: so, we yeah.
1: yeah, we just know that when people get power, they go mad with it. Yeah. So the idea was let's create a system where this doesn't happen nearly as easily and nearly as much. And so very much the highest the the highest level of authority in the Adventist church, at least within local Adventist churches, is the local Adventist church in business session. So your church board can't do anything that your church business, you know, your church and yeah. business session can't. Which a business session is literally just, it's a meeting of, of however many of your church members show up. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's where you get stuff done. But it's like a really large board meeting. And then, um, but it's not meant so that like, every, so our conferences elected All elected officials, our our elected officials, our divisions, elected officials and our GC elected officials. It's not it's really hard to have nepotism outside of that. Um, As far as like secretaries and, and like general office staff. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen a lot of husband and wife duos, things like that. But in general. It's you're you're elected to a position and you can be removed as a result um, by that same body. And it it is all of the power lies within the people yeah. to do something. There's
2: an inbred accountability system. Um, now, does that system always work? No, but it's much easier and it becomes much harder to manipulate that system because you do have the church buy. This is what I love about GC sessions is you can elect a normal church member to go to GC. Generally, that doesn't happen. Generally, you want to elect people that have experience and know what they're doing. But like every person that goes to the GC, every delegate, regardless of age or race or um, color or gender or sex, they have the equal vote. Um, Now, they may not carry as much weight when they go to speak, but they have the right to be heard and they have the right to vote, and it really is. There is no, well, that guy's vote counts for eight. Um, Now, that is ideologically. Practically speaking, unfortunately, that's a very Western concept, and so you have a lot of churches um, and divisions and places around the world where that does not work out the way it's, it's designed to. So yeah. the way that a conference president votes in some parts of the world is how the people are going to vote. But it's much harder to do that according to the system, um, which
1: which is, quick is over, great. Quick overview for listeners who don't know this. our Our, our church's structure is local church. Then conference above local church conference usually is a, so a, is a group of yeah, deals with a state terminaria. or like I'm in the Carolina conference. There's a Texas conference, Florida conference, right? Then there's a union which handles an entire region, uh, so that we're so like in the Carolinas. I'm in the Southern Union that covers Florida, Georgia, part of Tennessee, uh, the Gulf States, so Louisiana, um, Mississippi, Alabama. Actually, you know, know, it's
2: it's Mississippi and Alabama, Arkansas, yeah, Southwest, but whatever. Yes.
1: Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, oh, huge, a large uh, then, amount. Then, um all right, so then above union is division division covers basically a continent, so we're in the North American division, and then above that is the GC or general conference, yeah. and every five years, we host a world GC session or world general conference session where uh, different divisions unions uh, send send delegates from their respective areas to vote on policy issues on uh just wording of the things in the church manual wording of our fundamental beliefs we add and change fundamental beliefs uh based on the vote of the delegates and so everything is everything is kind of decided by a group of around 2000 people yeah. so it's it's not like this is a small group meeting in a room yeah that it's not an I'm enclave will... by any yeah. means yeah which now the things that do end up going to the GC session are voted by smaller committees, but in general, and that makes sense. You've got to you've got to have some body that chooses like what goes in and what kind of like gatekeeping. But in general, yeah, our major decisions are made together. And I really appreciate that in our authority structure. Like that's huge in my opinion. It's great. All right. Next step, your second one.
2: Um, so my second one was, I love what, what the other thing that I love about the Adventist church is that it has answers to the big questions.
1: Um, what are the big questions, Tony?
2: You know, why am I here? Why does it suck? Um, where am I going? Um, how do I get there? Uh, and so for me, when I was about 14, 15, I actually really stopped and started asking those questions. And I actually, I didn't leave the church in the physical or even like membership way. Like I have friends who left the church, who like rescinded their membership, like they dropped it, they left, they went and partied. Like I never did that. um, But intellectually, like in my head, I was like, all right, let me see if I actually, while I was still going to church and worshiping and stuff, I was like, let me see if I still want to do this. And I went through all of the major religions in the world. And honestly, not even from the major religions, out of the major religions, Judeo-Christianity is the one that answers the most big questions. Um, like some of these religions, like it's just, okay, we came from the back of a turtle. Hmm. Uh, okay. Um You know, and then archaeologically, like the majority of these old religions, like it's a very sexual act the way that it starts, and it's like, yeah, you can see how we do something, and then we translate it to that. Well, that's got to be how we started. So, Judeo Christianity has a very like centered answer as far as how we got here and why things are the way they are. But even beyond that, when you look at the way the Adventist Church is designed, it really is it gives you these answers the idea of the great controversy and that yeah here's why things suck because there was a perfect place everything was awesome then this dude was like well what if it isn't and there became this huge struggle this controversy um and that's what happened like the the universe is, is playing out and and it sounds a little ethnocentric or you un, you un, uni- Verse centric, I guess, to be like, yeah, all the universe is watching us, but that's what we believe. We believe like, yeah, that's why things suck. That's why things die. That's why bad things happen is because there was this separation from God. And it just answered that. Like, what is my purpose? To help share, to to do all this. And really it came to the point where I wasn't feeling God. Like I didn't have an emotional experience um, or a palpable empiris, you know, uh, empirical evidence that God existed. I came to an intellectual, you know, a rational idea of this is the best way to live my life. Regardless of whether it's true or not, this has answers to questions, you know? And I'm not left with, well, we just are matter floating about in the universe. Well, where did that matter come from? Well, it, it just was. Well, where did the proteins come from? Where did, you know, like, like that's the problem with with evolution and science is like, well, that can maybe adequately explain what happened when we got here, but that doesn't explain how or why. And so to me, that's what Christianity really came up with. And that's why to me, I was rationally, I'm like, this has answers to the big questions. And then when that happened I got the experience with God. I felt Him. I, I I really began to to see His movement in my life. It was like I conceptually understood the wind, and then a breeze hit me. And so, yeah, like that's what that's what I love about the Adventist Church is that it really did provide those awesome answers to those huge questions that a lot of other Christian denominations just couldn't.
1: Yeah, they either couldn't or don't, or they have answers that, in my mind, are unsatisfactory. And or the, I
2: know the amount of mental gymnastics you have to do for some of these doctrines to like yeah. and
1: stretch there. Well, and and I get, I absolutely get that other denominations will say that about us. I think to some extent, every denomination. Kind oh, we of definitely the same have that too thing about yeah. others. Like, I get it, and I'm not saying that our that our theology and everything is absolutely perfect. But I do, th- and I'll, we'll actually probably come back to that a little yeah. later. But I am. I, I am agree. I'm in agreement with you. I do think yeah. that we do provide some great answers to the big questions. We provide rational answers for the big questions. You know, a big one for me, in general, is you know what happens when you die. Yeah, and and yeah. that answer That's a huge is, one is really big for me, and I see it consistently throughout Scripture, uh, just objectively. Which is Adventist answer for that is you don't go immediately to heaven. Uh, you when you die, you you die. You're asleep until Jesus comes back. And at that point, you're resurrected. And I see that consistently throughout kind of scripture, that idea. And so I'm a big fan of the way that our church has has come up with those answers. And I'm a big fan of um, how we uh, do not commit ourselves to those answers. So as far as like they're open for interpretation, they're open for conversation. And now, depending on who you're talking to, let me, okay, I should put it this way. In theory, they're all yep. open to conversation and and yeah, and no, question. Yeah. In but principle. in <laughs> practice, yeah, in practice, that's not always the case. Depending on who you're talking to, you could find a member that yep. just thinks you're speaking heresy for uh, for whatever reason. So thinking, you know, I, we don't do that how, here. Yeah, we don't do that here. How dare you? But no, I do. I like. I legit. I have a member who's told me when he was finding out the truth about, or he was finding out about clean and unclean meats. So he went to his pastor and asked him about uh the he asked him why why do you guys why do we eat clean and unclean meats he had been watching yeah. he had been watching amazing facts he went to a regular i think a baptist church or something and he asked his pastor about it and his pastor said well in the, in acts 9 peter has this vision and uh, oh no god declares all meats clean and, and unclean and, and and my member countered with well wait but does not the next chapter it say that it was talking about people and he's like well you should you should talk to the youth pastor about that and so he went to the youth pastor and asked the same question and the and he he said yeah but a chapter later it says that it specifically says that that's talking about the gentiles and the fact that god has declared them as a part of salvation and the youth pastor responded i kid you not the youth pastor responded you read too much <laughs> and i just like that just which, gets me. No, a no, valid, no, hold on. For a
2: lot of denominations, that's a valid, like, that's, my grandmother got that answer. She was a Catholic, and she wanted to know more about the story, so she went to her local priest. And I'm not saying this is everyone's experience. This yeah, This is exactly. my family's that's, experience. Yeah. She went to her local priest, and her priest was like, yeah, you don't need to worry about that. She's like, no, I'm asking you. And he was like, yeah, no, we're the ones, we interpret the Bible, so don't worry about it. And she's like okay, so you know the answers, you just don't want to give them to me? So She literally just asked, is there anybody here who's doing a Bible study that has answers? And it was an Adventist couple that was like, we're doing it. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it really well, is. And I'm, and
1: I'm sure that people have had that experience within Adventism. Adventism oh, I'm too, sure. I so I'm know not, they like, have. Like, that is not representative of the whole in any way, shape, or form. But that's but our, it is, that's my experience. It yeah, is but my that experience. is some, yeah. a couple isolated experiences. It's why I love it. it. It doesn't have to be why you love it. Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. It Everything does we do is because we want everyone to be exactly the same.
2: All as right. Us. All right, Becker. Number two,
1: pay scale. Pay scale. This
2: is interesting. So,
1: pay scale is awesome because we avoid, to some extent, we avoid the megachurch megachurch pastor phenomenon. And and because, go ahead. No, 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 no. no. Okay. Go, go. <laughs> I'm just,
2: I'm thinking of something.
1: Okay, so the, we we avoid it because. Basically, I pastor a small church. I pastor two small churches in the middle of nowhere, mm. and yet I get paid theoretically. I mean, after enough years in ministry, because there is there is like an actual bomb, ladder yeah. of pay based on degree but at, and time of At the, at the of top service. of the ladder, if I'm if I'm still pastoring these churches after enough years have passed and I'm at the top of the ladder, I'm making the exact same amount that someone who pastors a you know a five thousand member church in the yeah. Adventist Church is, and at least in the NAD. So, and and that's really cool to me now what I will say is I do think that running a 5,000-member church is a lot more work than running a small district. And so to some extent, I think that there should be some very, uh, I, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think our current pay scale, scale is ideal, but I think it's closer to ideal. And you'll see a lot of pastors of larger churches, they supplement that income by writing books or by teaching yeah. in adjunct or adjunct professoring, whatever. And so there, there are some ways to to get to kind of get around that, but for the most part, I love that it's it's equal across the board. Yeah. Uh, and beyond that, I love that our pay does not come from our church members. It, I mean, it does; it's sourced from them, but it doesn't. It's not directly from them. Yeah. So all the tithe that your church collects goes all the way up to the GC and then trickles back down.
2: Which which is great because if you preach a bad sermon, or you preach a sermon that is convicting and your congregation doesn't want to hear it. They can complain to the conference, but if you're not preaching heresy, now granted, if you're just a giant jerk consistently week after week, okay, yeah, then there might be an issue. <laughs> but if if you just preach something that was true and your congregation didn't want to accept it, they can't just boot you out. Yeah. Like they can't be yeah. like, mm, we don't agree. Like I can go to the South right now and be like, y'all need to make friends with you know black people and stop with the stupidity of, you know, you need to read the Bible correctly. I can go say that to them. A lot of white pastors in the South can't do that because if they were to come out as strongly against, you know, racism and prejudice as they wanted to, or should be according to the Bible, they, they would be immediately booted from their, their churches. And we don't have yep. that. There's, there's objectivity there.
1: Yeah. Now, like I said, there's still some unfair moments that happen, of and, course. and no system is perfect, but I do love that. I think yeah. that our pay scale is great, the way it works, the way we are paid, every everything and, about that system is... In- and this
2: isn't just in the West, by the way. This is across the board, um, yeah. percentage-wise. What's even cooler is they recently did something in the GC for the World Church, so world pastors now get paid in their own currency, which sounds bad, right, because the dollar's worth more, but here's the thing they were percentage-wise counting everything as dollars. So if you're a ruble or whatever, if you're not dollar, American dollar, um, came in, you were getting paid as if it was a dollar, so it was whatever percentage or more percentage is that, and then it was coming back in percentage of a dollar. Now you're getting paid in your own local income, which means you actually get fairer pay. So pastors actually can get paid more, and it's a more easier, simplified pay scale, and it's a and it's a, um, a better pay scale. And what's crazy about all that is my dad maxed out a few years ago. Like my dad gets paid the max anybody gets paid, um, percentage-wise. And he was getting $50 more pay period than a local pastor who had worked the same amount of time. Hmm. Like that's it. Yeah. That's it. Like, and that's there's so no. You are like, not in ministry yeah. for
1: the money. Let's just put it that way. If you're in Adventism, there's no way that you're in it for the money because this does not pay.
2: He literally said, "Yeah, that that covers the Tylenol to deal with the headaches from the." <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's fair. From the board meetings, he had to sit on.
1: All right, so we've got authority structure, world community, pay scale, answers to the big questions. Um, so let's. Go on with your next one. This is an interesting one. It's
2: very similar to the the answers to the big questions, um, but I love the Evans Church because it makes sense. Um, I was talking about the the mental gymnastics. Um, I I have a lot of friends that I grew up with and and still you know have, are in contact with. Um, Where their churches, I've asked them about their doctrine, and they either don't know what their church believes, um, like they haven't been taught, or when I asked, you know, these big questions like I was talking about, they had to really jump around um, and kind of jump say, well, around. it's because of this and jump this and, that and this and this and this and that. And I go, but doesn't the Bible teach this? Well, and, you know, I'm taking a class right now in Revelation, Inspiration, and Hermeneutics. And one of the big things they talk about is the fact that for so many years we based our concept of God, our macro understanding of God, our big understanding, foundational concepts, on non-biblical precepts a ton of it came from plato and aristotle and socrates and those guys weren't christian those guys weren't believers and they weren't even really spiritual um in the sense of they didn't really believe in a deity the way we want to call it um they were actually closer to being buddhist and hindu um and so you look at that, and to me, I go, Well, that makes sense. A big thing um, in the church is this idea of God is timeless, that he is out of time. And there have been so many, like, really difficult to understand and difficult to explain doctrine that's come out of this idea that God does not exist in time historically. Like, he cannot reach out and touch you um, because he cannot exist in the temporal realm like we do, which is not biblical like the bible literally says like i'm here i'm there like events happen now god is is omnipresent and he's you know omniscient so he he knows he's always there he exists in the in the in the constant i am but things happen to him and this concept of a timeless god has ruined that doesn't come from, again it's not hebrew it's not jewish it's it's greek and greek from before like the, 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 the <laughs> Christians spoke Greek. Um, it's an outside concept that we brought in. And we don't have that in the Adventist church. Um, if we have something that doesn't make sense, we get rid of it. You know, we, 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 we got rid of it. And, and it kind of boils down to a little bit later, uh, where, you know, one of my other things we might talk about. But I love that concept. It just makes sense. Like, I can explain our entire theology to a five-year-old. I have... Like I can do that. I can go through. I,
1: I can do it, and I know I can, I can do it. I can do that through our twenty
2: fundamental it. beliefs, and I can do that now. Obviously, the concept of God is something that they can't understand, but I can explain it as there's, you know, God is this this big person in in that lives in space. You know, we don't know where, but he's huge and he existed forever. That's something that adults won't understand, but I can, you know, outside of that, I can be like, he gave us a book um and we're supposed to eat healthy because when you're sick it you don't you know respond as well to god like i can go through all of them mm-hmm. it just makes sense
1: yeah i i I agree i actually think you said it all there so i'm not gonna i'm, I'm there's not much yeah. i have to add to that uh but i do agree i think it i think it does make sense i think it's rational and that's my thing with faith people ask about proving faith proving the existence of god things like that like I'm not really interested in that so much. I don't think I can prove 100% to you that God exists. I don't if 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 men much smarter and better than me that have come way before me couldn't do it. I don't know what much of a chance I have. My yeah. what what's what's interest what I'm interested in is making sure that what I believe is rational, it's reasonable, yeah. right? Like it does make sense. And if you if you were to find do it look at you'd say Oh, yeah, I can see why. Like, I, I can yeah. see that. That's fine. Because God like, is you know, a rational that,
2: God. I mean, I think yeah. that's the thing is that he's he's been so accommodating for us. Our theology should make sense. It, we shouldn't yeah. have to kind of bend around and do these things like, well, God allowed sin in so that he can love us. So He God, you know, slaps us on the face so that he can hug us. That doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, to me, again, it might make sense to you. This is my own personal experience.
1: Yeah, it makes sense to me. Shut, Shut up, Brian. fine.
2: All right. Uh what's number 3 for you?
1: You told me to shut up.
2: Unshut up now. When okay. I asked All you right. I said shut up. <laughs> now don't shut up.
1: Um so my next thing and I I've, I've touched on this twice now which is uh the fact that we have no creed. Yeah. Which means that everything that we say is is up for conversation, it's up for debate, we can talk about it. We are uh, and and yes there are individuals that encourage you <laughs> okay. not to talk about it. There are people that that will say, you know, this isn't up for debate. But the fact remains that we absolutely are a creedal organization or non-creedal. Sorry, non-creedal organization, which basically means if you don't know, like the Nicene Creed yeah. and the the Apostle Creed, like these are things that say these are absolutely what we believe, and we will not be, um, will, will not be flexible. And there's no give here. These are the non-negotiables, and you have and to
2: accept those. without any reservation in order to become a part-like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So within Adventism, actually, our preamble, and you can go back and listen a few episodes. I think it's episode 43. uh, TJ Sands was on the show. We talked about our fundamental beliefs. How many do you have to believe to really be in the, you know, how many do you have to believe? We have 28 of them. Can you really, you know, and, and honestly, if you walked up to most members and asked them, you know, can you list all 20 fundamental beliefs? It's likely that they wouldn't be able to off the if top of their head. If you walked up to
2: most pastors and asked them in order, most of them will be able to nail most of them. But if you ask them, say them in order, I guarantee you. Oh, I won't be you. able to
1: say them in order. Yeah. I have absolutely zero problem admitting that to you right now. No. I cannot say them in order. And I know like the first five. But that's after <laughs> that, I'm like, eh, it's somewhere yeah. in there. So, but, I, I mean, I know what they are. It's just a matter of like, the fact that we can continue to talk about them, continue to—this uh, idea of progressive truth, right, that we learn more as we go. Uh, you, you can read some of the stories of our church fathers as far as, like, um, and, and their experiences, some of the things that they believed. And then you look at Adventism now, and you realize, like, wait, we're a, kind of a far cry from from what they believed then. We've yeah, grown no, a whole really. lot. Uh, and and even one of our biggest controversies in the formation of Adventism was was in eighteen eighty eight when that's when our denomination actually finally figured out or remembered like, all oh, right, we're saved by grace and yeah. faith, oh and Jesus, not by, that's the yeah right, that's Jesus the guy we're supposed stuff to focus for, on yeah so, and that happened because Adventism did feel this this unique pressure this 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 pressure to be yeah. unique and distinct. And so, if so, we kind of looked at what everyone else was doing. We said, let's not do what they're doing. And so, we put more emphasis on behaviors at the beginning. And then in 1888, we realized, oh, wait, yeah. that's actually one of the things they have right, which is grace through faith. So, they and that's where we shifted. Now, granted, you still, once again, all of these, when it comes down to individual experience, every single thing we've said, it does have some fluctuation yeah. in that, yeah, there might be someone who doesn't encourage that or doesn't allow for that whatever and it's definitely our
2: personal experiences like
1: yeah that's we're talking about a few of our favorite things yeah and why they're our favorites but you may have experienced something differently
2: so no joke i wanted to make a list that just rhymed like a few of my favorite things just like um haystacks with cheese and like just just so I could go oh. through the song and, and like sing it and then come up with like and here's just maybe the real list um but I'm like that's just too hokey like that's no thank you I'm, I'm not, not gonna doing it. I'm not I gonna force it. Ryan to
1: no one wants a Barry White cover of a few of our favorite things Tony I do actually <laughs> now that I've said that I actually do I take that back I I kind of want it maybe one day the face. Patreon, I think you saw our, the
2: face I made
1: to, I, to the I love,
2: I love the fact we don't have a creed either. That kind of goes to, I'm going to hold my thoughts um, because it kind of relates to a point that I'm going to make later, but hopefully. But yeah, like I, I agree with you. Yeah, we, we don't have this, this thing that is so set in stone. Um, in the 1970s, there was a, another controversy by a professor who'd interpreted something that we had held as our foundational, our foundational belief from our very beginnings for a long, long time. And our response to him wasn't to kick him out. And it wasn't to to if at first, it wasn't to like immediately like a lot of people reacted horribly to it. But like it's from like an me organization, it a long
1: time to figure out who you're talking about. Yeah. Now I know.
2: Now you know. But see the fact yeah, that that happened, you know, um, but what what actually happened is they got all of our big biblical scholars, the guys with the PhDs and the big brains and the eggheads, we stuck them in a room and they legitimately went through They studied what he said. They studied what the Bible said. They went through all of that. And while they ended up coming out with the conclusion that he was not correct, they actually, like, it legit was on the table. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to do an apologetic to defend ourselves against him. Like, they literally went through um, this recent session with ordination, you know, that's what I love about it. Even though it didn't go the way that I interpret the Bible, the fact that we got men and women together in a room and said, let's read the Bible and see what it actually says. Um, the fact that we were willing to do that, regardless of the outcome, regardless of what they found, the fact that they were willing to do that and say, is this true or not? Does this fit with the Bible or not? Um, that's what I love about it.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, what's next for your list? We, have, so we each is, have a couple more. Yeah, so, so this
2: is a very... Um, adventisty one uh but it's the holisticness um this is this is super popular now if you have lived if you were born in the 90s you remember a time when being healthy wasn't that big a deal um yeah like it just wasn't as popular as it is now and so now like it's a big deal to be healthy and play 90 and you know like uh the fit look is in to live longer is, is hip and chic and great. Like I'm, I'm totally down for that, but this concept of holisticness, um, it was, it's, it's been Adventist for almost 200 years and that's great. I love it. Um, and for those who don't know what holisticness is, it's basically the idea that your mind, your body, and your soul are all connected. And when one is out of balance, the other ones are going to be affected by it. And so, um, we're one of the only churches that has a doctrine on health. That's crazy to me. Like you have individual churches that kind of were discovering that, but like I was talking to um, the guy who does painting. Um, he does a, a Jesus paints. He's called the Jesus painter. And I was talking to him about this and, and he goes, Oh, so like, what makes you guys unique? And I was like, well, you know, this and this and this. And I mentioned like in health and he goes, my church is just kind of getting that too. Like crazy. When did you guys figure this out? And I was like 1860. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah we kind of we've had it for a while he's like oh man that's awesome like he thought it was cool but like that's a great thing that i love now is the fact that everyone's kind of discovering it um but yeah when your mind is not right you're not going to connect with god and again it's one of those things that just makes sense but it's that idea that our our mind our spirit our spiritual side um and our and our uh physical side are great so our Big three are an open doctrine, health message, and education to lift all three parts of our body up. I love that. I just love that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Actually, I've been, recently I've come to kind of a different conclusion about the way the, the way we talk about our health. Yeah. And it was, I was working on a sermon uh, developing an idea I, I had been thinking about, which is what, what really is the purpose of healing and, and the healing miracles of Jesus in the Gospels? And as I was digging into them, I found, you know, each each miracle had had a, had distinct purposes, right? Yeah. So they revealed, who, the fact they revealed God, they proved the person yeah.
2: better, yeah.
1: Yeah, so they, they proved who God was, they proved who Jesus was, and they fulfilled prophecy. Yeah. And those are kind of the three main purposes outside of, like, actually making someone better. Well, then I was looking at a, a specific instance, actually, in Acts 3, shortly after Jesus leaves, yeah. where... Uh, the man was lying at the beautiful gate and always asked for alms, and Peter says, or the, the man asked Peter and John for something, and Peter says, well, I don't have any money, silver or gold I can't give you, but what I do have I I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the guy gets up, he walks, he's healed, and then he goes into the temple with them. And then I realized that the one consistent theme throughout everything that God does is providing people access to God, right? So every So the true miracle— for the man in Acts 3 is, is not just that he can walk, but it's that now, because because in this moment, they still believe that to access the presence of God, you had to go into the temple, and that's the one thing he couldn't do. And so this man is granted access to God, and it's the one thing that no other person could give him. And so then I, then I started looking at the healing miracles, and I'm like, all of them do this. All of them give people access again. And then I realized that today... When I look at healing and I look at, and I look at, like, why don't as many healing miracles happen or whatever? Because the the common thread of all the miracles has already taken place, which is each and every one of us has access to God now. And the, now that isn't, now occasionally God does still heal people. And that's, there's up a, to there's His a part of the
2: medical community called yeah. medical miracles, like stuff yeah. they can't explain, like, well, the tumor just went away. They're sure. like, weird. Yeah. And so, and they just like kind of shrug it off, like, eh, I don't know. He no longer has, you know, syphilis. I, I, I don't know or whatever. Yeah,
1: like so. But the reason, uh, the reason I bring that up is because I think that our health message, so to speak, and and the holistic nature of what we're doing, uh, really speaks to giving us the best access possible to God and keeping that 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 access alive, right? Like keeping that. So your mind is clear, so that you can you have the best access you possibly can by keeping your body healthy. Yeah.
2: It's not a work. It's not a work of piety. Um, That was never the intent. In fact, the reason why we even got the health message at the beginning was because our pastors were dying, literally being worked to death. And we're like, man, I don't get it. Why is this happening? We don't understand. And then uh, God was like, Hey, Ellen, um, you know how there are smoking and drinking and staying up super late and, eating all these super greasy, fatty foods. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. tur- tur- turns out that that'll kill you. Like she came up with the fact that tobacco causes cancer uh, almost a hundred years before they figured out that tobacco causes cancer. Like she says it, she's like smoking, it gives you cancer. And then it took till the 1950s. She said this when people were recommending cigarettes for people with bad lungs. Like that's crazy to me that it was like, yeah, this is so that you can have access to God. Cause when you're dying of lung cancer before they had chemo, before they had all these things, like you can't give sermons when you're, (coughs) I say this as I am currently dying of post-nasal drip. However, (laughs) um, that's allergies and it's, it's, I won't give up dairy. Point being, um, no, like legit, like it really is. I love the fact you brought up the fact that it was to to bring them access. So many of those miracles, it wasn't it was a it wasn't just about yes, healing the person and revealing God, but it was also about the metaphor of you didn't have access to God before. I am your access to God. Yep. I give you that access again. It's it's beautiful. Yep. It's great. So
1: I I think it's awesome. And it answered a really big question for me which yeah. goes back to we have answers. It to makes big sense. Yeah, it just makes sense. All right, all right. Um, You're number four. Next up, disaster relief. This is super uh, cool. this, yeah, this one isn't. This one isn't so much. I think this is a result of our system, but it's not. It's not a. It's not directly a part of our system, right? People don't usually
2: associate it with.
1: Yeah. So, team. if you've ever heard of ADRA, uh, that is one of our. That's actually pretty much our premier disaster relief agency, and the idea is. This is why I love being a system, right? I I said at the very beginning, there are good things to being it, which is we can do things and have affiliations back to who we are as a denomination, and it plays into the world community very well, right? I know exactly where I can go to find the Adventist message, because Adventism exists, right? It's not just some weird movement, but it's actually a denomination. Now, it is a movement. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is because it's incorporated, or or however you want to phrase that, you can find things everywhere. So. For me, disaster relief is huge because of that denomination affiliation. We can get into places, we can go places, and actually provide aid in times of trouble and and, and, and during tragedies, and, and as after tragedies, we can go in and help rebuild. And we have a huge world presence. We were involved in Haiti, still are involved in Haiti. We were involved in Katrina. We were involved in Harvey. We were involved in all of these different. We were in Puerto Rico. There are all these we were literally, places. We
2: were in Puerto Rico, Mexico, and Houston all at the same time.
1: Yeah, and it's it's amazing. It absolutely is yeah. amazing. And uh, what Jonathan Duffy, I think, is the current president of ADRA. I uh, okay, Someone sure. can fact check that. He's high up. All right, or at least he was. And he gave an awesome he gave an awesome one project talk. You can find it on uh, Vimeo. Still, and I've referenced it before on this show, where he talks about how there are over twenty one hundred verses in Scripture that talk about social justice and taking care of the poor, the orphan, the widow, things like that. Yeah. And uh, then he and and I've talked about it before separately, where you know we have forty eight verses in our fundamental belief on the Sabbath, and we're really good at keeping the Sabbath, well, in theory, and yet we have over twenty one hundred verses that cry out for justice and we and we don't have a fundamental belief about it and um but we do have a yeah. a calling to take care of it. Yeah. And I love Adra. I love the existence of it. I love our work in World Aid and and disaster relief. I think it's amazing. I really do.
2: And that's the other nice thing about being a world church is that like for a lot of these churches they wanted to volunteer um and so they either gave money or volunteered or did whatever and they come to find out like a lot of them they ended up either giving to scams or sh- just showing up and being more harmed than hurt because they just showed up at the disaster place and were like, hey, somebody house me and feed me, you know, and it's not a yeah. knock to them like they wanted to help, but they didn't have an organization there. We have that. Not only that, like this is what's crazy during that horrible month where Puerto Rico and Mexico, I think there was also mudslides happening in Asia somewhere. Um, all that was going on. ADRA, this is what's crazy about the system. They not only set up like church families that could house people and uh, found ways to like feed them all like church members, just like all they all got together and basically did potlucks every day. Um, You can get you gave your money straight to them and you knew it was going like 95 percent of it. I think I think they only have a five percent operating budget to like pay for people. The majority of address volunteers Um Like, 95% of that was going. There's just, like, even if you give to the Red Cross, I think it's only, like, 60% or something. This is not a knock to them. But, like, most organizations, the majority of it goes to paying for staffing and housing and overhead. Yeah. We don't have that. Like, you can give to it. You know for a fact it's going to go, and the relief is going to happen. And they have a whole system. So in four different areas of the world, we had immediately – places where people could stay, places to feed them, a system that could help out so that it was not an added burden to the, the cleanup process and the rescue process. It was crazy. Yeah. It actually so, was relief.
1: Yeah, it was. So there we go. So that's, uh, that's my fourth one. Tony, give me your 3rd let right, Let's quickly
2: go through. Um, for mine, again, it's kind of similar to that. I'm reading through them now, and I'm like, oh, they're all kind of the same, but it's different veins of kind of, I guess, the same thing. And mine is like truth versus tradition. Um, you were talking about immediately made a million enemies. Yeah, you were talking about the creeds, and I love the fact that our church values truth over tradition. In theory, ideologically, (laughs) um, in theory, we get together and we see what God is doing more than tradition. Uh, The problem is a human problem. People love tradition. We we fear change because we don't see that there's anything better on the other side. But from an, from a organizational standpoint, from a movement standpoint, we were started because people were like, we don't care what everybody else says. We want to hear what God says. And we based how we interpret the Bible on that. Like the Bible speaks for Mm -hmm. itself and interprets itself. We're not going to, you know, you can have the best mind in the world. That's awesome. If you step away from what the Bible says about itself, we're tossing you out. Um, in theory, um, we do that from a movement standpoint, you know, our, we have so many different worship styles in our church because that's a tradition. Um, any one of our fundamental beliefs can be challenged and if we don't believe it's true and they have, we've tossed them out. Um, And that's, I love that. It's awesome. It's great. Um, Because tradition is awesome. I'm not knocking tradition in the sense that I think it's bad. I don't. But I think it needs its place and it needs its perspective. Tradition is here to remind us about things that are good. When tradition becomes bigger than truth, that's when it becomes a problem. And so when I hear a lot of people, even in our Adventist church, constantly talking about, well, I want to know what present truth is, but they're actually talking about traditional truth, I'm like, no, present truth means what is God saying right now? Yeah, um, And it kind of gives us that idea that we are a movement. Yes, we are an organization, but we are a movement. We're meant to be moving and progressing and going forward. and And that doesn't mean that everything needs to change there are some things that I think should stay the same. There's some biblical principles that I'm like, well, the Bible's pretty clear on this. Um, I don't think we're going to be advocating for murder any one of these days. But at the same time, I love the fact that we're able to say like, oh, you know, it, even one of the things we talk about, like Ellen White talks about new light, like our the, the lady that we believe was a prophet from God said, yeah, no, there's going to be new things that he's going to show us. Like, even the things that I'm telling you, like, I can be wrong. Like, let's find new stuff. Let's see what God's trying to tell us, because what I think now isn't necessarily correct. And it might just be God is working with my limited understanding. I love that fact.
1: Yep. There are, and there are things that I know now that if I had known 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to handle yeah. them. I wouldn't no. have been ready for them. No. And so, so Would not have been ready. God God definitely works within our understanding. And I do love that we value truth over tradition. I would say that tradition is too much when it becomes a driving force for anything that we're doing. If you say we're doing this because it's tradition and not we're doing this because of why it's tradition, then you've got a problem. So the phrase,
2: oh, we've always done it that way, literally is like nails on a chalkboard to me or like a a metal spoon on a a ceramic bowl or whatever, Like, like that's what it is to me.
1: Yep, I agree. So that that that's really big to me. And like I said, and I'll this is a constant refrain throughout the episode. I understand that our some of our listeners' experiences may be different. There's absolutely nothing. I mean, there is something wrong with that. In that, I wish you. I I wish that Stop it hadn't happened to you. Wrong. if It was a negative experience. Yeah, but no, for sure. And in, in general, I I do feel sorry. I, I feel bad if that happened. But it it. It's true. It's a human problem that tradition takes over. It's not a God problem.
2: And a a lot of the problems that I have had with this don't come from an organizational standpoint. There are some things that I disagree with from an organizational standpoint, and I've made that kind of clear on some of these episodes. (laughs) But um, from an organizational standpoint, there's very little that I disagree with, that I have an issue with, that I start fights over. A lot of the times it's just with the other humans. Like it's other people who are like, I like this thing, and I'm like, well you're dumb and wrong. (laughs) And I love you, but no. And that's where a lot of it comes from. And that's why I say the church is the group of people. It's not the organization. It's not the movement. It's the group of people. So a lot of my problems with the church come from the church. But from an organizational standpoint, I love that fact that that's where we stand in theory.
1: All right, one more thing as we are closing out the episode. I didn't think we were going to be able
2: to do this. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, I didn't think we'd make it through all five of them. But uh, the last one that's on my list is education system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, our education system from pre-K all the way up through university and postgraduate work uh, is really cool. <laughs> the fact that you can transfer credits across the across the pond and still go to an Adventist church or Adventist school. Um, the fact that that and 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 you can get a, a solid, you know a decent quality education in that um, is is really cool to me. I grew up in advanced, advanced education and very much a product of it, and I don't think it's perfect. In fact, out of everyone that I went to basically like elementary and middle school with like that I hung out with, right? So I have friends that I went to school with growing up that um that are still in the church, don't get me wrong but out of everyone that i hung out with like my close closest friends pretty much none of them are adventist anymore yeah so i'm not saying that adventist education is perfect nor is it the answer i'm not putting it up on some pedestal that says that it's every everyone should go through it it doesn't
2: replace a, a, an excellent church experience but it, it no helps.
1: not at all but it's it's solid like i went to school my roommate my first roommate in college was someone i went to kindergarten with all the way up through high school and so from i grew up with them And going to the same school as them the entire time. And it's really cool. I was sitting in the same classrooms as them, learning the same things, having the same kind of experience growing up. Like That's just really cool how connected you become as a result of it. And I do think it's awesome that you can be in an environment that teaches the beliefs and that um, that can feel like home for you. I know a lot of my friends who ended up going to universities that were not Adventist, they were shell-shocked. The culture shock hit them hard uh, in, in the way that things are done. And like I said, that's, or not like I said, it's not a knock on those universities or schools for doing it differently. I'm just saying, I think it's one of the great things of Adventism. And what, what even gets me more is I know we talk about Adventist education being so expensive. I think the statistic is I could be wrong on this and and someone can, can, can call me out on this all they want. I think it's somewhere if, if between 60 and 80% of our NAD. Paid tithe, Adventist education would be like pennies on the dollar, if not totally free. Like, if, if, if enough of our members tithe Adventist education would be free.
2: So roughly 40% of the NAD tithes. If just 20% more tithed regularly, we could basically, yeah, lower it down. We could basically pay for everyone to go to an Adventist school. And if eighty yeah. percent did if we had eighty to a hundred percent we we could basically open a school in every conference and have every kid have a scholarship to go
1: but go. that's
2: that's a unrealistic and b you know I mean there's just a lot of people don't value that and the other thing about evidence system being expensive, yes, okay, maybe for middle school, but if you actually look at private schools um and I'm not saying that the quality of Adventist education everywhere is greater or better, but I'm saying if you actually look at private schools, we're not that much more expensive. Um, in fact, a lot of places were cheaper. If You go to like a really expensive private school, um, it's going to be cheaper than going to an Adventist yep. school. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, here's the other interesting thing, though. Going back to being a world church with the education, in the U.S., we kind of have a a reputation sometimes of, well, you're getting a lesser education. You're you're sacrificing the quality of your education to get an Adventist environment, which A, I don't believe is true, but B, okay, fine. Even if you say that, that's if that's a sacrifice you're willing to make, fine. Around the world, the majority of the countries that Adventists are in, the educational system that is considered the top-notch one to go to is the Adventist education system. Um, it's, it's like, I've heard so many stories about people where they're like, yeah, this opens so many doors, not only for missionary work and for people to, to be able to spread the gospel. Um, but even to work like the government opens doors for Adventists above any other denomination because we come in and we educate their poor. And it's not like a lot of um, other denominations, one in particular that I won't mention, they came in and only wanted to educate the rich colonizers who had come from uh, uh, countries that had this particular um, denomination. And that's what they, you know, that was who they went to. They went to the rich people. They went to the, the leaders, the elders. And the Adventists were like, whatever, we'll take anybody. Like you on the street. Mm. Come on, let's do, let's do this. And in Bolivia in particular... I remember um Bolivia's a communist country, but we have a very strong Adventist presence there and we can basically do not whatever we want. Like we can't like murder people, but if we want to have an event, we're super supported because the president of Bolivia right now is a local and among his tribe, the only church that that set up an educational system for his people were the Adventists. And so among his people, there's like a huge among the native populations in Bolivia, Adventists are viewed as like the only church that that actually cares about us. All the other churches, they were about the 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 colonizers who came in and took away from people. But these people actually care about us. They educated us. They let us teach. You know, when when they joined the church, they let us teach each other. Um, and that's and I love that fact that again, it's it's there's an equality to it. There's a world community to it, and. It's about that idea of of accessing. If I don't know, how am I supposed to read the Bible if I can't read? Yeah. I have to rely on somebody else to tell me about Jesus. I cannot directly, you know, read his word, his his direct divine special revelation that he put for us. Um, It's so cool that we have that. And then not only that, but we can put people all the way through college. In these, you know, quote-unquote third-world countries— they can go through and get a college education because of an Adventist system, you know? And that's great for me. It's awesome for me.
1: Yep, I agree. So there you have it. We made it through our lists, five each, Woo! ten things we love about. My voice didn't go out. About. I really thought it would. Yeah, ten, ten things that we love about Adventism. We did it, Tony. We did it. Your voice lasted. You're still Barry White ah. through and through. Thank you guys so much for listening to Absurdity. We hope you enjoyed this. And, and you know, maybe once in a while I'll probably kind of rebroadcast this episode uh, just as a way of keeping, uh, keeping it fresh that we love our church and we love what we do and we love the people that we work with. But um, we do have reservations and things that we want to talk about as well. And it's important to keep all of those things in balance. So, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or any podcatching app that you use. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please, please, please leave a review. That really helps me out, It helps us out. Also, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash absurditypodcast. Theabsurdity.org is our website. You can find all the episodes there as well. And if you want to support this show financially, you can head over to patreon.com slash absurditypodcast. You can see how consistent I am with 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 the name, but uh, <laughs> every dollar goes right back into the show. And I actually have something really exciting to announce starting in August. So as soon as August hits, you'll you'll hear something really cool coming soon regarding financial stuff. Teaser. So, uh, but we all we all we do have special episodes coming for Patreon uh, and for our patrons. We've already released one, and we have three more in the works currently. One of those three is already recorded. So. Just really looking forward to the things that are happening with them. If you have comments, questions, feedback for the show, you can email me, ryan180becker at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, at ryan180becker or Tony. What's your Twitter, Tony? Tony
2: underscore Nobly, A-N-O-B-I-L-E, or you can just look up the new Dr.
0: Jones.
1: There it is. So thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.